Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media, episode 88 of one of the best Nets podcasts out there. Nick is my younger brother. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm all right. I uh, I had a show this weekend. I do a live comedy show, as you know, and I lost my voice after two nights in a row, so I'm going to be a little... Uh, less communicative today and a little less participatory, but uh, I'll chime in when I can. And I'm also testing out this new Nets background. I think the background looks great for everybody watching, for everybody listening. Take my word. Looks fantastic. And I just want to point out, I was at Nick's comedy show. It was hilarious. It's called I Mostly Blame Myself. Nick's going to be doing his show once a month on Friday and Saturday in the beginning of the month at the Players Theater. Check it out. The theme of his last show was relationships. And I just want to point out, Nick, that you are an absolute trooper coming on today. You know, I don't care what our listeners say about you missing podcasts, about you not being strong enough to participate if you're feeling a little ill. Um, Do they say that? I don't care what they say about your spine and that you don't have one. Uh, I think that you're a warrior. Well, really, I think you're a trooper, and I'm happy that uh, – Am I a trooper or a warrior? I think you're both, but I'm just happy that you're on the show today, even if you can barely speak. It speaks volumes about your character, despite what everybody else in the Nets Twitter and the Nets community says about you. Okay. All right, let's get started. We're going to talk Kyrie Irving real quick before we get into these last three games for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Because we've had, you know, a little bit of news. So our buddy Brandon Scoopy Robinson – who's been on the podcast multiple times. I believe he's a recurring guest. Uh, If not, I've definitely had him on other shows, not Fireside, but he has been on Fireside at least once. Uh, He wrote an interesting article, posted it on Bally Sports. You can check it out on his Twitter. I thought, Nick, the most important takeaway from the article uh, is about the vaccination and why Kyrie doesn't want it. Because up to this point, we've sort of heard speculation, and this isn't from Kyrie's mouth, but – I thought that it was extremely detailed and and very close to the truth without actually hearing it from Kyrie himself. So Scoopy writes, at the Nets media day in September, Irving answered reporters' questions via Zoom, but asked for privacy when asked if he would get vaccinated. Among Irving's circle, the general consensus is that he is not anti-vaccination and believes everyone has the right to make their own decision. His apprehension about the COVID vaccine stems from his concerns about the possibility of long-term side effects which, according to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, are extremely unlikely. Those closest to Kyrie also have shared that Irvin knows anything he says will be magnified and scrutinized, and he doesn't want to be viewed as an anti-vaxxer. He's not taking this stance to be a voice for the voiceless. He's just not trusting of the available vaccines, according to sources. Irving also does not want to get vaccinated because of bad experience with his health, due to basketball injuries over the years. So well, let me ask you this. Take, Does it yeah. say anything in that article about him talking to health experts, about him getting a bunch of different opinions? Does it say anything about him being extremely proactive and just trying to get more knowledge on the vaccine? I'm not taking a stance. I'm just asking that question. I have not seen anything in this article regarding that. 
Um, he did adopt a hundred percent plant-based diet. So if there's a plant-based version of the vaccine that's completed and approved, he might want to take that. I'm not sure that that's in the works. Um, I but- have no idea what you mean by that, but I guess my only, my only concern there is uh, as long as he's getting information from the right sources and he's talking to as many people as possible, obviously we welcome him to make his own decisions. I just find that I'm hoping that he's not using YouTube. He's not using Reddit. He's not using Instagram for his information. He's not going down these rabbit holes like he did with the whole flat earth situation. So uh, feel free to make your own decisions, but please, please, please speak to as many people as possible about the subject matter, just so you're knowledgeable and able to talk on it. That's, that's my whole perspective with Kyrie. I just, the thing that confuses me is he doesn't want to get vaccinated because of bad experiences with his health due to basketball injuries over the years. And the thing I'd like to point out is his teammate, LaMarcus Aldridge, Almost, you know, had a really scary situation last year with the Nets. He had to retire because he had heart problems. Those are serious health concerns when you're playing basketball, yet LaMarcus Aldridge is someone who was vaccinated. So it's tough for me. Look, I understand that everyone has their choice. This is America. If you don't want the vaccination, you do not have to get it. Having said that, it's just hard for me to understand. Like, these reasons don't make sense to me. They just don't. Maybe they make sense to Kyrie. Um, obviously they do. He hasn't gotten the vaccine up to this point, but this is, this was a tough article for me to read, Nick. And, and I want to credit Brandon Scoopy Robinson for getting this information. Uh, he's great at what he does. And, and I do have a lot of trust in the sources that he finds to get this information. Um, I don't want to talk too much more about it. I mean, the other update I will, was, yeah, I will tell you something interesting. So you and, and some of our listeners know, I tore my Achilles playing basketball, uh, June of twenty. 20 June of 2019. Why did I tear my Achilles? Is that 2019? May, May of 2019. Uh, in June of 2019. So in June of 2019, I tore my Achilles and uh, a friend of mine in medical school told me there is one antibiotic on the market that you might take, uh, you know, to combat a virus or when you're sick and there's a specific name for it. I don't remember what the name is that could actually re-trigger, uh, re-tearing your Achilles. So he said to me, now that you've torn your Achilles once, your Achilles is, uh, you know, 5% more likely to tear again. If you take this specific antibiotic, which a doctor may recommend, you could literally step on your foot and just take a step, an easy step, not even run or jump or anything and re-tear your Achilles. So that's just a crazy fact in medicine. Now, I've never seen anything like that with the vaccine. So I only bring that up because you're talking about Kyrie talking about his basketball injuries you know, if he's had a, a broken ankle before, a broken wrist before, I don't know if there's anything in the vaccine studies. I haven't seen anything that says it could re-trigger any of those injuries, but I do want to point out that that is possible with some medications. So again, hope he's getting the right information, but maybe he saw or found one tiny thing that said there's a 1% chance of re-breaking or re-tearing or, or, or doing something internally when taking the vaccine. Again, unlikely, but it does exist out there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I I understand. I get it. We're gonna move on, Nick. We're gonna move. And the other uh, thing with the Kyrie news, nothing new. Sham Sharania went on the Pat McAfee show, basically said everything that we know, which is the vaccine mandate probably isn't going to be dropped because of the the numbers rising again, and the Nets will listen to trade offers that come around. Uh, if they make sense and they're right for the organization. So we already knew that. I mean, unless Kyrie gets vaccinated or the mandate drops or the Nets decide that they will allow Kyrie to only play away games, he's not going to play basketball for the Brooklyn Nets this season. All right, 
We're going to move on. The Nets had three games this past week. The Knicks, the Timberwolves, and the Bulls. We will start with their loss against the Chicago Bulls. I wasn't able to watch this game live, but I did DVR it. I watched it in its entirety. And uh, a lot to say about this game. Very interesting game, Nick. Went down to the wire. You know, the Nets were in this till the end. Bruce Brown had a chance to cut it to one point under two minutes left. He he missed a layup. Then he got fat. I'm sorry. Then he made the layup when they were down five to put him down three. He missed the free throw. So they were down three. Kevin Durant had a huge three pointer down the stretch in this one. I think with like maybe 30 seconds left or 16 seconds left to put us down two. But then Lonzo Ball, yeah, I, I'm going to repeat myself. Lonzo Ball hit the dagger three to put the Bulls up five with 16 seconds left. So KD hit that three with about 30. The Bulls get into their offensive set. Ball hits a wide-open three with 16 seconds left, and that was basically all she wrote. Uh, The Nets were a lot more competitive in this game with Chicago than they were in their first game with the Bulls. They pretty much won every single quarter except for that fourth where the Bulls just went off. Uh, I got to praise you know, Kevin Durant. Do you have the box score in front of you? I do, yeah. So Durant was once again phenomenal in this one. He was he was nominated for player of the week with this being his final final game of the week. 28 points, 10 rebounds for him, uh, 12 of 26 from the field. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge had 20 points, seven rebounds, although he missed a few gimmies in that fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, can we just point out to yeah. Kevin Durant that at this stage in the season, oh, what are we, 20, 22 games in? Or uh, if I'm 14, what are we, 14 and seven? Yep. We're 14, uh, 16 and seven, 16 and seven. So we are 23 games into the season and he's shooting 28. He's shooting 53% from the field, averaging almost 29 points, 28.6 points per game. I mean, that's unbelievable. If you look at Steph Curry, who's kind of him and Durant one, two in the MVP race, Steph Curry is shooting is scoring 27 and a half points a game. Amazing. But shooting 43.7%. Okay, nearly 10 percentage points lower than Kevin Durant. So I know those two are are kind of going back and forth. Over 50% is legendary. Over 45% is amazing. You know, Steph Curry is a solid MVP candidate right now, but to me, it's KD all the way. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, no, and again, especially with the regression of James Harden this year, he hasn't been the same. I mean, 14 and 14 for him in this one, uh, 14 points, 14 assists. Uh, no turnovers for James Harden, but so that's a plus seven rebounds. I want, and then his shooting numbers were abysmal five of 21 for Harden, one of five from three. So I do think I would agree with you that KD is my MVP right now, just because Harden hasn't been that second superstar for this ball club, uh, through what was it? You said 23 games, um, Going over quarter by quarter, Brooklyn came out strong in this one, 34 to 28 in the first. Chicago uh, beat the Nets by two in the second, by one in the third. It was 27-26. And then in that fourth quarter, Chicago put up 32 to Brooklyn's 25. So, like I said, the game was really lost in that fourth quarter. Otherwise, the Nets led most of the way in this one. Um, DeRozan was phenomenal. 29 points for him, 13 of 24 from the field. He really did a great job of closing us out, as did Zach Levine. 31 for Levine, 11 of 13 from the free throw line. He was only 9 of 20 for the game, but, you know, six assists, eight rebounds for Levine. He was excellent in this one. Um, Here's what I'm going to say, Nick. The Bulls 
and I want to credit their general manager. I, I can't think of his name right now, but they did a phenomenal job. Caruso only played eight minutes in this one. He he had six points in eight minutes. He hit two threes, but he cramped up or, or he got injured. I think it was his hamstring that flared up a little bit. It's, it's Mark so he, Eversley. Mark Eversley. Mark Eversley's the GM. He cramped. Uh, he had, he had a hamstring issue that that sort of came back. So he sat. But Dasanmu, twenty three minutes, eleven points for him. Two blocks. Derek Jones Jr. gave them good minutes. Eight points for him. Four blocks for Derek Jones Jr. Uh, I just want to credit th- what the Bulls have done because you have. A lot of wings on this team. You have two point guards, essentially, in, in Ball and Caruso. Three, if you want to say Levine can play point. Um, and you've just gotten a lot of great athletic wings around these guys. And you only really have two big men in Vucevic and Tony Bradley. So credit to the Chicago GM. But my original point, Nick, is this. The Bulls have two serious, bona fide, elite bucket getters in Zach Levine and in DeMar DeRozan. Those two guys are both MVP candidates. They've been playing extraordinary through the Bulls' first 24 games. The Bulls are 16-8 and right now. They're one loss uh, behind the Nets. The Nets thought coming into this season, even with Kyrie not, not in the lineup, we would have two bona fide bucket getters in KD and James Harden. And unfortunately, only Kevin Durant has lived up to that hype. Harden in 40 minutes. I'm not going to read his stats again. But just 14 points. This is not the first time that he has underperformed against the league's best. Against the Warriors, Harden wasn't good. In the first matchup against the Bulls, he wasn't good. And listen, I'll give him a little credit. After the game, he did admit it. He said, if I don't miss that many shots, if I hit some of my shots down low, we probably win that game. So it's just tough for me to comprehend because I look at Levine and I look at DeRozan and I think no way can that duo be more efficient than KD and Harden, but up to this point, they have been. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I agree with a lot of the points you made. I'll piggyback on a couple of them. DeMar DeRozan, I thought he went to San Antonio to watch his career die. I thought he went to San Antonio and was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to play a little bit here. You know, he played with Aldridge for a couple of years before Aldridge came to us. And I thought DeRozan was just kind of going downhill from there. Uh, after obviously all those amazing years with the Raptors average about 21 points a game with the Spurs on a bad team a rebuilding team obviously they're still in the rebuilding phase then he comes to Chicago he's averaging 26 points a game shooting 50 percent from the field again like him and Durant at that 50 and a little bit over 50 percent mark that's incredible DeRozan I want to say he's 32 years old at this point in his career and he's still got it his I mean he might be the best mid-range assassin in the game after Durant if you're going off a purely mid-range perspective. And obviously, I'd say he's a little better than Aldridge mid-range, even though Aldridge is a mid-range assassin as well. Uh, I like what the Bulls have done. They're a fun team to watch. There are a lot of young athletic guys. I think they're they're likable. I like Vucevic a lot. I like his game. I think he's solid. Uh, Levine's a, you know, a walking highlight reel. I agree with what you said about James Harden. If you look at the numbers, we actually had one of our lowest turnover games of the season against the Bulls with five turnovers. But it's the fact that Harden just could not hit a big shot. Uh, really, the whole game, he, you know, five for 21, like you said, that to me was the biggest factor. We just got outshot field goal percentage-wise. I still think we're a better team. I'm going to quickly give my top five power rankings right now. We'll go Suns, Warriors, Nets, Jazz, Bulls. I think just in terms of in power that, teams, Oh, in that order. I got in you. that from order. One, from so, one to five. Okay. So I think the Bulls are, are a top five team in the NBA right now, and, and they played harder than us and shot better than us in this game. I still will say we are a better team. We just needed our superstar, like you said, to step up. It's crazy because DeRozan is like, you know, he's Mr. Fundamental, right? Every mid-range shot, his form is pure. He gets to his spots. 
But most of the shots he makes, they aren't highlight real worthy. I mean, he gets a lot of and ones. Zach Levine makes shots. I don't think anyone else in the NBA minus Kevin Durant can or, or Steph Curry can make. I mean, his release is quick. He's a freak athletically. He can get to anywhere he wants on the court. His mid-range game is deadly, and he has a really nice three-point shot. So uh, Levine was was great in this one. And, you know, you look at the Nets, uh, Bruce Brown, some good, some bad. So in 26 minutes, Brown was 2 of 11 from the field. I mentioned he missed a few bunnies in this game, especially one in crunch time that really would have made this a game. But he had 12 rebounds, 11 in the first uh, half. He was really playing some decent defense. He was passing the ball. He had a steal. So up and down game, if if Brown can sort of get – because DeAndre Bembry had eight points in 23 minutes – Brown had four points in 26 minutes. If Brown can improve on offense a little bit, I mean, him and Bembry, who's ever in there, you need those guys, right? Those are your energy players. Those are your defenders. Those are your guys that are going to do the little things. Now, you can't come in and shoot two for 11. That's unacceptable. You just can't do that, especially uh, with a team that puts so much on KD's back. And that's kind of, you know, my, my end point is in a game like this that came down to the fourth quarter. It was really all Kevin Durant down the stretch. James Harden totally withered away into the background, but it was Levine. It was DeRozan in that fourth. It was KD going at it with those guys. And then that third guy who stepped up for the Bulls was Lonzo Ball. We didn't have that guy. you know. And what worries me, Nick, is right now, back to the whole James Harden thing, and, and by the way, I do want to point out um, before I get to that, Cam Thomas – Good game for him. Eight points in 25 minutes. He missed both, both his three-point attempts, but he had some really nice moments on offense, a few steals, a few assists, four rebounds, uh, no turnovers. I liked Ken Thomas's performance. And also, Paul Millsap had his best game as a net, 13 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 1 of 1 from three-point range in 15 minutes, seven rebounds uh, for Paul Millsap. I thought he played a very good first half, and then he had a, a big bucket at the end of the third quarter. Um, but back to my James Harden thing, you as, as, as the Brooklyn Nets, you have to be able to depend on more than one player at the end of games. And I think it's almost getting to the point where Durant is just going to try to take every single shot down the stretch and even Michael Jordan needed help, right? Michael Jordan needed Steve Kerr to hit those shots. Scottie Pippen hit some big shots back in the day. Um, you could, you name it. But when it when when push comes to shove, I saw what the Bulls did in, in crunch time. Three guys hit big shots. When you're looking at the Nets, it was really just Kevin Durant. Well, Aldridge had it done. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, right? Because let's call Patty Mills and Aldridge our steady vets, right? Those guys. Okay. Aldridge shooting over 50% uh, on the season. His minutes are now going up from 23 to about 33 games. Sure. Uh, Blake Griffin logged another DMP this game. Blake Griffin's kind of out of the conversation at this point. Uh, him and Patty Mills went 15 for 27 combined. That's yeah. an amazing shooting night. 32 points combined. Why aren't, we, why aren't we running some sort of uh, decoy Durant to find Patty Mills for a big shot? Patty Mills is having an incredible season, and he's proven yep. he could be clutch. So I guess my question to you is, Obviously, big-time Durant is always going to take uh, the most important shots in the game. Why aren't we ever, if they're double-teaming Durant, if they're if, if Durant you know, is just not in the perfect groove, if he's over, if he's exhausted, if he's shooting too much, why aren't we finding an Aldridge or a Patty Mills in those moments? I think we've tried. I think Aldridge has had some, some good moments in the fourth. He had a dunk last night off a feed from KD. Um, but Aldridge is 37 years old. 
You know what I'm saying? It's hard to depend on a guy like that at the end of games. By the way, Mills was excellent in this game, 5 of 10 from the field. He had two more threes, 12 points uh, in 34 minutes. He has to be more aggressive. There was a moment in that game where I think he passed up two open shots and KD yelled at him afterwards. But you bring up an excellent point. We're getting to a a point in the season where when we play these elite teams, are you going to trust Harden as the number two in those moments? Or do you think that Mills or Aldridge or even a Cam Thomas should maybe get a look before Harden? I, I think it's fair to ask at this point, especially, you know, you heard Richard Jefferson on the telecast on yes, he goes, Harding just doesn't look like he, he has that burst anymore. He, you know, he's getting to the rim, but a lot of his shots are falling short. They're not floating in like they used to. And we'll get to the Knicks game in a little bit. I'm sure he can do that against the bottom half of the NBA, right? I'm sure he can go, he, you know, we can play the Knicks and Harding can pop off for 34. I'm not worried about that. But when we play an elite team like the Bulls, who are, who are very long defensively, um, Levine, Ball, Caruso, Don Dasunmu, those guys are hustlers. When we play these teams, can Harden still be as effective a scorer as we need him to be in crunch time? I am just not sure at this point. And remember, we're still missing Joe Harris for another three to seven weeks after that surgery, ankle surgery. So he would be our go-to guy after right now, Durant and Harden. But like I said, and as the last thing I'll say, Patty Mills is there to me. Patty Mills right now is playing peak Patty Mills. And he's in his role. He is not a young guy. And he is confident. Like you said, he passed up those two shots. I think if given, if, if Nash gave him the order on the next play, we're running this for you, you're shooting the ball, he would. He wouldn't hesitate. He has a quick release. He can get it over most guards. So just food for thought while Harris is gone, while Harden's uh, obviously not at his best. Uh, we're not putting a lot of consistent games back to back. I'll say he's had some great games. He's just not putting two or three uh, uh, high field goal percentage games in a row. Well, right. obviously his turnovers have been a little out of uh, out of control. So Patty Mills, I want him to take a few big shots this season while Joe Harris is gone. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you. He's got to step up in that role, and I, I thought he played well for the most part. I think that you know him and Aldridge had you know a good kind of combined night, but the Nets needed a little more. I'm not going to kill him too much. It was the second half of a back to back, but if I had to blame anyone for that loss, I'm blaming James Harden. Uh, the final thing I'll say, Kevin Durant passes Ray Allen for 24th on the all-time career points list. Um, he is at 24,512 points in his 14-year career, and uh, he passed Ray Allen for 24th on the league's all-time points leaderboard. So good for Kevin Durant. We move on. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the week on Tuesday. We played the New York Knicks in Brooklyn. Do you remember what my prediction for the final score would be in this one on last week's episode? I feel like you said like 113 to 97. I said 112 to 108. What was it? 112 to 110. That's pretty close. Very, very, very competitive ball game. Uh, Sort of the opposite of the one. Actually, that's not true. We We won the first quarter. They won the second quarter. We won the third quarter. They beat us in the fourth quarter by two. But um, it came down to... You know, KD flexing a little bit in the fourth. Harden, and like I said earlier, this was Harden's pop-off game. So 34 points for Harden, got to the line 10 times, hit nine free throws, 11 of 20 from the field, 10 rebounds, eight assists, a near triple-double for James Harden in 40 minutes. But in that fourth quarter, when it came down to who's going to score points, it was Kevin Durant. I mean, he had some clutch shots 
over uh, Julius Randle. They went back and forth for a little bit. Randle made some major mistakes uh, down the stretch for the Knicks, a turnover, some misses. He was great, though. He had 24 points, eight assists, nine rebounds on 11 of 22 from the field for Julius Randle. Uh, but this came down to the final play, and lo and behold, our hero was none other than James Johnson. James Johnson gets fouled in a tie ball game, goes to the line, hits both free throws. He ended up with seven points in 18 minutes. He did not miss two of two from the field. Two rebounds, two turnovers for James Johnson in 18 minutes, but the most two important free throws of the game, he nails him. The Knicks had a last-second gasp with a Fournier full-court heave. Didn't fall. Um, great ball game. You know, a lot of Knicks fans will say that the refs cheated them. I don't think that was the case. Uh, Randall got a stupid technical foul. I think it was a tie ball game. Kevin Durant hit a shot. Randall complained about a call at the other end. He got teed up. So the Nets went up three with, I think, two or three minutes left. But in these ball games, every point counts. So but that was also an accumulation of complaints. He, it wasn't the right. first time he was. You're right. Time. You're right. But, you know, after the game, he, he wanted to go after the refs. Him and Thibodeau made, made their comments. Uh, I hate that shit. I mean, this is a competitive ball game. You know, Fournier hit a huge three to tie this game up. Uh, he he was pretty good for the Knicks. He had, what did Fournier end up with? Fournier ended up with 13 points and five of 12 from the field, but he had two huge threes. Uh, Derek Rose, 16 points, quickly 12 points. And uh, Mitchell Robinson had eight points and seven rebounds. But, you know, if you're the Nets, this is big brother, little brother. You had to win this game. Uh, you know, Harden and Durant with the two stars, Durant with 27 points on nine of 23 from the field, nine of nine from the free throw line. Cam Thomas came off the bench. She had 12 points, uh, and Patty Mills had 10. Those were the only four guys in double figures. Uh, Aldridge, eight points for him. Bembry had six and, uh, that was pretty much it. Bruce Brown had six and Paul Millsap had two. Um, Nets, Another horrendous shooting night from three-point range. Since Joe Harris has come out of this lineup, they've cooled off. They were 8 of 28 from three, only shot 48% from the field in general. But we have Kevin Durant. The Knicks do not. That was the story of this ball game. And James Harden was able to feast on, I don't want to say an inexperienced Knicks team, but maybe a Knicks team that wasn't ready for an aggressive James Harden. Yeah, if you haven't seen the highlights of this game, go watch them because this was just a really fun battle for New York. I mean, if you look down the stat sheet, both shot 48% from the field. They beat us a little bit on three. Both had about 40 rebounds. Both had exactly 27 assists. Uh, we beat them seven to five steals. They had one more turnover than we did at 10 to nine. Points in the paint were both around 50. Really the only stat line that was a separator here was fouls. Uh, and I know we, we talked a little bit on the phone after the game, how Julius Randle wanted more calls and the refs kind of insinuated, you're a big, strong guy. You're If you barrel into someone, you're not always going to get that call, which raises the question of, you know, if Kemba Walker, who isn't playing anymore for the Knicks due, due to a very low efficiency rating on the court, is jumping into uh, uh, Blake Griffin, per se, or let's say LaMarcus Aldridge, because he's the one playing right now, and he, and he bodies and falls to the ground after bouncing off Aldridge, he might get that blocking foul is Randall going to barrel into Aldridge, push Aldridge back 10 feet and get that blocking foul if Aldridge is in, in position? And I, and I say, and I stand by this, no. Randall isn't going to get that call. When you are a huge body and you are running into people, unless they really come down on you, unless they're really pushing forward with their body, you're not going to get every call of just banging bodies together. Because the, what is it, the running back mentality that LeBron James has had in his career too. That you're not just good. The basketball isn't a sport of how many people could I run into until someone's out of position. So yeah. I, I, 
I understand Randall's frustration with the game because he's an aggressive player. I respect Randall. I like his game, his, his shooting ability. I mean, he's the most improved player last year. So you got to give him credit for getting where he is. But when you're that big of a body in the NBA, you can't expect every call down low when you're banging off someone, even if they're not in perfect position, to go your way. It's just not realistic. Um, Julius Randall is a great player. He is not a superstar. I think Knicks fans at this point are ready to admit that. It's not that he's not clutch. He's just not clutch like the Kevin Durant's, the Steph Curry's, the Devin Booker's. He He's great. He just isn't at that level. I don't think he can ever get to that level. Um, and a lot of Knicks fans are frustrated because they, they see what's happening with him in the fourth, and he's trying to act like he is Kevin Durant. He is LeBron James, and he's not. He's Julius Randle. Doesn't mean he's not great, but – in those, in those moments down the stretch, you might want to defer to someone. Maybe let Fournier take a shot. Maybe let R.J. Barrett wasn't in the game, but maybe let D. Rose take someone off the dribble because it just seemed like every time Randall's name gets called, the Knicks sort of fall short. Um, Shout out to Alec Burks, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a great great piece he, for New York. You know, I mean, before we, he started getting time over Kemba Burks, yeah. I was a little – and I never thought I'd say this about any NBA team ever, but I was like, damn, they're kind of missing Reggie Bullock. Yeah. Hitting some big shots down the stretch last year. Uh, and he's gone now. So I was like, oh man, Reggie Bullock's Bur- presence Burks felt better. Burks came in for Kemba and he is an offensive dynamite. I, I like Burks a lot. Um, it's funny, like Cam Thomas right now, his game sort of, you know, not as not as in your face, because I think Burks is a few more inches on Thomas, but off the dribble scoring. Uh, I love that type of game. And the final thing I'll say about this Knicks game, we could be classless assholes and say shit like bing bong, but we're not going to do that because that shit's petty and we don't care enough about the Knicks to make stupid bing bong jokes. Do you agree? I agree. And I'll tell you what, Knicks fans, if you guys are listening, which I'm not sure if you are. Oh, you're uh, listening. If you are, we play you again twice over the next few months, once at MSG, once back in Barclays. So, listen, you got something to prove? Step up and beat us if you think you can. Another game goes to the Nets, I think, in the overall series. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the Nets have one game on the Knicks. It was tied, and then the Nets won. So in that overall series that dates back to, like, the early 1960s, 1970s, the Nets are one game over on the Knicks. All right, we move on to the game on Friday. Interesting game. It was announced right before the uh, tip-off that Carl Anthony Towns would not play. So Nas Reed, I believe his name is, started at center. It's actually really good. Uh, 6'9", 264 pounds, played his college ball at LSU. He came out firing. He had 19 points in this one. He had three three-pointers. He was 3 of 6 from 3, 7 of 14 from the field. Um, Anthony Edwards had a great game for, for the Timberwolves, 19 points for him. He did have eight turnovers, which is a really bad look, but he had one dunk. I don't know if you remember. It was the fast break. I forgot who passed it to him, but he posterized somebody on the nets. He uh, he got up there. I really like Anthony Edwards' game. D'Angelo Russell, 21 points, 11 assists for the former Brooklyn net. Really nice homecoming for him, but this was uh, a very- I don't know. He shot six for 22 from the field. Yeah. He was kind of hucking he him up. He looks good. I like D'Angelo floor. Russell, but he hucks him. This was, this was a – Huge game for Kevin Durant, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 9 of 18 from the field. He did not hit a 3, but he was 12 of 13 from the line. He was our fearless leader in this one. Patty Mills, 8 of 15 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3 for 23 points. He was a plus 15 in this game, the plus, the best plus minus out of any other net. Uh, Harden, 
20 points, got to the line 15 times, hit 12 of them, only four of 11 from the field, nine assists, seven rebounds for Harden, uh, six turnovers for Harden, five for KD. You don't love those numbers. Um, Aldridge had 13, and then the only other net who was in double figures, who I, I got to admit has put together a decent string of games, and he did not play against the Bulls the other night. But that was James Johnson, 11 points in 25 minutes for him, five of six from the field. Uh, he has proven that, that he can kind of be – he can work well moving off the ball with the KDs, the James Hardens. I wasn't sure if he would be able to do that, but the less I see him dribble the ball and the more I see him kind of cut, move, do the little things, he's sort of playing more like Bruce, uh, Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry now as opposed to in the beginning of the season, he would get it, he would try to create something off the dribble, and I just I don't think he's that great of a dribbler. I don't want James Johnson to be our primary ball handler. So um, that was it. Good, good win for the Nets. Uh, again, did not shoot the three-point ball well. Just 6 of 23 for 26%. We were 47% overall. But um, we took it to them in that fourth quarter. We held we held the Timberwolves to 20 points. Uh, KD had a few key buckets for, for us down the stretch. And um, we were able to hold on against a tough Timberwolves team playing without Carl Anthony Towns. I will say, though, uh, and I got to give a shout out to my boy, Torian Prince, former net with 11 points, three for six, shot 50% from the field for the T-Wolves. Eh, I don't really miss him, but congrats, Torian Prince. I prefer uh, Tayshaun Prince. But here's what I'll say about this game. Listen, it was a good win, dude, but you're really going to be happy beating the Timberwolves without Carl Anthony Towns by five? We had 17 turnovers compared to our five against the Bulls. We fouled them 31 times compared to our 14 fouls against the Knicks. And I'd argue the Knicks are a bigger uh, bang down low team than the T-Wolves without Carl Anthony Towns. So listen, we needed the win. It was a good win. You're happy with the win. But I don't I don't leave this game saying, hey, great job, Nets. I'm thinking we need to minimize our turnover count. We need to minimize our stupid sloppy fouls because sometimes we get a little lazy on defense. Uh, I'm not pointing any fingers, but it's sometimes James Harden. And I just want to say overall – you can't come neck to neck with a team missing their superstar player, especially as we get later into the season towards the playoffs. So I'll take the win, but I'll take it with a grain of salt because I think we could have done a lot better. The one thing I like about this game, as opposed to the Knicks game, we were much more balanced in regards to scoring, you know, yeah, KD gave us 30 hard and gave us 20, but Patty Mills with 23, Aldridge with 13, James Johnson with 11. Um, and you were able to put together a, a nice defensive game against a, a pretty good Timberwolves team, even without without Cat. Uh, I liked that the scoring scoring was a little bit more balanced than the Knicks game, um, but really we wrote our starters in this one. I'm looking at our bench. Outside of James Johnson, no one else on the bench played well. Uh, Thomas did nothing in 18 minutes. Millsap did nothing in 10 minutes. And, and Bruce Brown, I, I really want to see him come back because I, I love the way he plays the game, but – He's been cold from the field, man, ice cold. And and the Nets can't have any more shot missers with James Harden, who we know is against good teams, isn't going to shoot well. I mean, 4 of 11 in this game, 0 of 5 from 3. Yeah, you might that might cut it against the T-Wolves. That's not going to cut it against the Warriors, the Suns, the Bucks, or the Bulls. So you're right. I'll take the win with a grain of salt. Um, we have Kevin Durant, so he should single-handedly win, win games like these, which he did. But he's going to need, you know, better performances from his teammates in a game against the Bulls, in a game against, you know, the elite teams in the NBA. So that kind of brings us to this this week in review, Nick. We go two and one. KD's elite. Harden's eh, great game against the Knicks. So-so games against the T-Wolves and the Bulls. 
Cam Thomas has been really stepping up and, and, and playing well in his limited time. DeAndre Bembry has done a great job stepping into his respective role. And uh, Millsap gave us a decent outing against the Bulls. But I guess my question to you is, and, and we'll get to the overall perception of this team in a second, um, what do you think needs to be better from this Nets team moving forward? It's funny because a lot of these weeks, they are two and one, you know, weeks, three and one weeks with the losses coming against elite teams. And, and we're sitting six, uh, I'm sorry, what are we? We're 17, no, 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 we're 16 and seven. We're still first in the East, but where can the Nets improve? Like, what would you like to see next week when we start to play? And I'm going to take a look at our schedule right now. We play the Mavericks um, actually later tonight. And the Mavericks were a playoff team last year. After the Mavericks, we're going to play the Houston Rockets, easy win. Atlanta, tough game. Detroit should be an easy win, all on the road. So Actually, what do you want I'm to see? Sure the Rockets are kind of on like a little streak yeah. right now. What do you want to see in these next four games on the road, Nick, if you really want to see this team improve? Well, listen, we're, we're still in first place, like you said. So we are holding at not super uh, uh, strongly because the Bulls are a half game back after beating us. And the Bucks are only one and a half games back in third place. Listen, we're really missing Joe Harris. I mean, you could sit here and say we're missing Kyrie, but obviously we just expect him to be out for the season. So we're really missing Joe Harris uh, as a shooting presence, spacing the floor, uh, just being a veteran leader on this team. Obviously, Cam Thomas uh, has impressed us. His shooting percentage isn't great. I think he's shooting about 35%. His confidence is great, but I think we, we value efficiency over confidence these days a little more. He's only really getting minutes because Joe Harris is gone. And listen, like we said, Patty Mills and Marcus Aldridge are our steady vets and they're crushing it and they're shooting it combined close to 50%. But what I need to see from Patty Mills and Aldridge isn't just steady production, isn't just, you know, 10, 20 point games throughout, you know, and, and steadily scoring throughout the game. You need to step up in crunch time. Now, right. I don't know if that's a Nash call uh, uh, drawing up a play for them. I don't know if that's a Durant call saying, hey, guys, I need some help. Or it's Patty Mills and Aldridge saying to the team, we're ready to step up. Give us the ball. Put the ball in our hands. Durant, we got you. Right. Yeah. And it could be uh, one or all three of those things happening. But I need to see those guys who are shooting at a high percentage taking more important so shots. Sure. Not just more shots, but more important shots. And listen, I think we're both impressed with James Johnson. I think yeah, you, I didn't you see that coming, by the way. I know. Um, so, so I can't really ask for much more from James Johnson. I don't really feel I can ask much more from DeAndre Bembry, who's doing there's, well too. There's I guess. one guy, Nick. There's one guy that you can ask more from. I and think we all want to ask. I mean, not really. He's he's getting back into the swing of things after coming back from an injury. It's James Harden. So much hinges on if Harden can play a little bit better down the stretch. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not impressed with the 34 against the Knicks. I'm not. They're not a great team. They're, they're, a, they're a 500 team. I would be impressed if he did that against the Suns. I would be impressed if in crunch time against the Bulls, he hit a big step back three. I think the only bucket he had was like a running layup, and that was it. Outside of that, he was non-existent down the stretch. So if you're going to ask more from anybody on this team, I think so much hinges on if, James, on if James Harden can step up against the elite teams in the NBA. And that brings me to my next topic, Nick. It's the overall perception of this team on Nets Twitter and through Nets media and what people are saying, what Nets fans are saying about the Brooklyn Nets. And there are sort of two narratives. You have the one narrative that's, don't worry, we're first place in the East. We're 16 and seven. Sure, we've had some tough losses, but we're a great team. We're going to be there at the end of all this. 
even without Kyrie, we'll figure it out because we're winning ball games and and we're just we're going to figure it out. And then you have the other side of this where you have fans saying this isn't a great 16 and 17. There are a lot of flaws. Their 16 wins are against mostly duty opponents. Um, you know, we got that one win against the Sixers early on, but I, I think they were just sort of getting used to playing without Embiid. And I know they were missing some guys against us. My point being, you have people who are not impressed that the Nets are in the first seed and they sort of want more. And I find myself as someone who's kind of in the middle. Like I'm not satisfied with our 16 and seven record. I don't care that we're first in the East because I don't think the East is really figured out yet. Milwaukee got off to a slow start. We know they're a great team. Atlanta has been inconsistent. We know they're good. Boston had a rough stretch to start. We know they're good. Philly might be a team that regresses, obviously without Ben Simmons, but they've been playing pretty good ball. The Miami Heat now are a rejuvenated team in the East. The Chicago Bulls. So until the other Heat just lost on a bio. Right. They they did that was a huge loss. But you still have the Bulls. The Bulls, like you said, are the second best team in the East. So my point being, I'm not impressed that the Nets are the first place team in the East right now at this point in the season. But at the same time, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they're uh they're a they're the worst team in the East. Like I'm not gonna sit here and try to nitpick and say, well, DeAndre Bembry can do more of this or or Patty Mills can do more of that. I feel like they're they're slowly all starting to get the feel for each other's game. And you you've seen it these past few games. You've seen James Johnson sort of step up in that reserve role and give them good minutes. DeAndre Bembry's been doing it for about 10 to 15 games now. Once they can work, you know, Nick Claxton back into the rotation steadily, Bruce Brown, and eventually get Joe Harris back, I do think that they will be a lot better. But I, I am slightly concerned with the fact that. In these big games, and I, I've said it a hundred times in this podcast today, I'll say it again. It seems the only guy that they can depend on to get them a bucket is Kevin Durant. And I think that you can't win in this league with one dominant superstar. You can't. The only way you could do that is if you have a Raptors team that has a lot of really good above average players at every other position. Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siaka, Marcus Soule, Serge Ibaka, Danny Green was on that team. Fred Van Vliet was on that team. I mean, that's the exception. And the Nets don't have that. The Nets have two to three bucket getters that are, you know, like I would say grade B bucket getters in Aldridge, Mills, and Cam Thomas, I think, is a great C bucket getter, meaning that they can get a, a shot on their own. But outside of that, if Harden isn't going to be grade A with Durant, you're you're going to have problems down the stretch if you're Brooklyn and you're going to struggle against the really good teams in this league. Well said. I, I, I mean, what, what what do you think? Do you think they are closer to their 16 and 7 record? Or do you think they should be, you know, I don't want to say 500, but do you think they're just not as good as the record says or somewhere in the middle? What are your opinions on that? I think we've lost to the best teams in the league. We've lost to the Warriors. We've lost to the Suns. We've lost to the Bulls. Uh, I think we've had a couple stupid losses that we shake off. But overall, I mean, we're beating all the teams that were definitely better than and all the teams we're supposed to beat, and we're competing with all of the great teams. I mean, obviously the Suns. Uh, just just crushed us in that first quarter a couple games ago, and we really couldn't come back, and we almost did. We lied. We ended up losing by six that game. Uh, the Warriors and us were going through that first half part of par until they just stepped up in that third quarter, which crushed us. So it's not like these teams that are beating us are overall just demolishing us or, or, or overall uh, uh, have more talent. 
It's just, I think, at this point, a matter of chemistry. The Phoenix Suns have the best chemistry in the league right now. They do. The Warriors, for for being a new team with a lot of you know players shuffling in and out, a lot of injuries, are growing at a lot faster pace than we are, which scares me. Uh, I think, like you said, we have a lot to learn, and we have a we, there's a lot of chemistry aspects to this Nets team that still need to be worked out. Probably going a little slower than we anticipated, but with that said, uh, we have to make drastic moves like putting Blake Griffin on the bench right? Joe Harris being injured for 48 weeks. We have yep. to then shift our strategy, put a whole new uh, uh, role of players in like the Cam Thomases and the Bembrys who are getting a lot more minutes than we anticipated. So a lot of moving parts. With that said, to answer your question overall, I'm happy with where we're at, okay. especially given uh, uh, all, you know, Kyrie being out, especially given Harden not even playing close to how he he's capable of playing i'm happy with where we're at we're competing listen we lost to the bulls by four like you said a couple hardened shots go our way we win that game and we beat the right. second team in the east and we beat a top five team in the nba so i'm gonna lean a little more positive with where we're at right now than you are i think that's fair i, I will say and i think that the I mavs think... game will be a good yeah. test because porzingis yeah, well, is playing out of his mind porzingis they beat us great. last year luca beat us last year they, they handled us pretty well um i will say that i i my one hope is i don't hope I'm sorry. I hope that Kevin Durant doesn't eventually get like sick of James Harden not helping him out in the fourth. I hope that doesn't happen because right now, from what I'm seeing, it's Kevin Durant and it's whoever else wants to step up. Maybe Lamarcus Aldridge will have a big shot. A few weeks ago, he had some really clutch buckets against maybe it was the Pistons or somebody. But he's been, you know, it's sort of been like who's going to step up and hit big shots against the Timberwolves. I think Patty Mills hit some really big shots down the stretch. Um, he had a big three or two. So I just I hope that Durant doesn't grow frustrated with Harden in the sense that he's not contributing in the fourth the way that we all expect him to. Um, that brings us to the end of our show. We thank everyone for listening. Uh, the one thing I, I made a mistake. So when we were talking about the 100 percent plant based diet, the vaccine that Kyrie Irving uh, was was waiting for, I said, I don't know, you know, if I read one more line. He, uh, Scoop B writes, one such vaccine is undergoing clinical trials with more than 30,000 people taking part, according to a report in August. So I don't know where that plant-based vaccine is right now, if that's going to be released in the next few months. How amazing would that be if all of a sudden he takes that vaccine and the narrative changes and, he, and he's vaccinated and he's able to play for the Nets? Um, I just I don't know how realistic that is. I have to do more research into that, but man, this is a basketball podcast, Nick. Why do they have me doing research on plant-based vaccinations? Blame, blame Kyrie. I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that because he's still a member of this team. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We thank you so much for joining us. And Nick, do I get to pick the song this week for you to end it? I, I, you just sing it because I can't sing right yeah? now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. here we go. Catch you on the far side, far side, far side. Catch you on the fire side. Time keeps on slipping. Peace.